John chapter 16, verse number 1, the Bible says this. It says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doth God's service. These things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whither thou go, uh, whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for your word is true. And God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, for the love that you showed upon Calvary's tree. God, the love that you extended unto me, God, that I might be saved. I thank you, God, for the privilege it is to serving such a holy and righteous God. I thank you, Lord, for this church, and God, for what it stands for, and uh, where you have placed me. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you help us. God, you know what we stand in need of. You know what every heart that stands in need of here today in this church house, you know what every heart uh, stands in need of today uh, joining us on the live stream. Lord, you know what every heart stands in need of, and I'm so glad that I can come unto the author and finisher of our faith, Lord, the Alpha and the Omega. And God, I pray, Lord, that you just give unto that, not that in which we want, Lord, but that in which we need. God, help us, Lord, I pray, and we'll give you the thanks and the glory and the honor for it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. John chapter 16, and we have read a small portion thereof. If you have been here on Wednesday nights or have been following through the uh, chronological life of Christ in which we have been teaching, we have entered the final week of the ministry of the Lord. And we have not touched on uh, the four chapters here in the book of John. And uh, these chapters here in which Jesus is speaking, Jesus is speaking unto his disciples there, it um, come right at the end, right prior to his crucifixion. What we read, and of course the preceding, the following. All of this is coming right prior to his crucifixion. And through the three plus years that we have covered uh, throughout the Gospels of the ministry of Christ, uh, much of the Gospels, especially the book of John, is dedicated unto the final uh, week or so of his life, and this is part of it. God thought so much about it, and the writer thought so much about it, that uh, he would dedicate a great portion of this gospel to this dissertation that Jesus is giving them. And so it's very important what is being said here. And uh, so the the thought that Jesus is giving unto his disciples, it should not be overlooked. It should not be 
minimized. We should make sure to understand the context and everything in which Jesus is saying here. I had preached a message one time. It was, uh, I can't remember the title of it, but it was uh, dedicated unto the, the final portion of 2 Timothy. And it was Paul writing unto his beloved Timothy, his son in the faith. And I was thinking as I was reading that, how important these words were, not only to Timothy, but unto Paul. For this was the final instruction that Paul was going to give this son that he loved, his son in the faith, Timothy. And, uh, if, and, and I just conveyed the thought in that message, and it's one that I think is appropriate here, and that is you would think that the final words that you are going to impart upon someone you love hold great value, Right? They hold great importance. I can tell you this, if I am to uh, uh, speak to my children and I know that it's going to be right toward the end of my life, I'm, going to, I'm not going to talk about the weather, right? I'm not going to talk about trivial things. I'm going to talk about something of deep and great importance. And uh, so Jesus here is near unto the cross. He's nigh unto the cross, and he is taking his apostles, those that have followed him, those that have been dedicated unto him, and he is expounding upon them truth. And so what we see here is something of great importance. And the premise of what I want to give to you tonight is found in John chapter, or verse, chapter 16, but verse number 7 of our text. Jesus said this, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In other words, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. I am going to tell you the truth. Church, let me tell you something. This is a very important premise for us today. The truth is something that is needed but the truth is something that is elusive to so many people. Satan desires to beguile the lost, and he desires to beguile the saved. Well, you say, well, preacher, how can Satan beguile the saved? He does it every day. He does it every day. And it's uh, not because we cannot see, it's because we are willfully blinding ourselves. You cannot see anything if you have your eyes shut. Amen. And so the truth is something that is of utmost importance, especially for us today, especially in light of everything that is going on. Uh, I believe this, all the signs for Jesus' uh, return are right before us. And it's very important that we open our eyes and we... Uh, lay hold upon the truth. Why? Because of what Jesus said in John eight thirty two, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is a very powerful thing. It is something of great value. Money can't buy it. Prestige can't buy it. Power can't gain it. But Jesus can give it. Amen. Jesus can give it. And so, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I want to, I want to look here uh, for just a moment tonight about the truth and Jesus' importance upon it and uh, how it should be important unto us. There is power found in the truth. Let's look, number one, 
at the words of Jesus. And we're going to go through Scripture, various different things, in which Christ had said, because let me just say this, Jesus was the ultimate truth teller. Amen? A lie never escaped his his lips. We see some of the words of Jesus. Some of the words he spake were wonderful words. Amen? John 21, 25, it says this, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, in which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. That's the way John ends up this, uh, his uh, gospel here. We see that Jesus spoke words of life. John 3.16, I'm so thankful for this verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, I'm telling you, those are life-giving words. I know that because that is one of the verses in which I quoted yesterday in speaking with my dad. I told him, I said, the Bible tells us that whosoever believeth in Him. Listen, and let me tell you something. Those words gave life yesterday. Spiritual life. Wonderful words, words of life, words of encouragement. John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Isn't that a comfort? As I said, man, we can look, and this world is in complete disarray today. Our country is in complete disarray today. It is what you call discombobulated. Y'all know what that means, right? I'm not sure if that's a southern word or if that's a hillbilly word, but it's a word, I can assure you that. Discombobulated, it's all messed up. It's all messed up, but I'm going to tell you what, there's going to come a day when the Lamb's going to return as a lion. There's going to come a day when He's going to call His church, and we're going to meet Him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Man, that's words of comfort, amen. I can lay hold upon those words. I can embrace those words. They are encouraging unto me. Words of hope. Uh, John 14, uh, 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. See what I mean? He's the ultimate truth teller. He says, if this were not so, I would have told you. We can rely on that. And so he says, um, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Man, wonderful words Jesus spoke. Wonderful words. Encouragement, words of life, words of hope. He also spoke words of wisdom. John 14, 6, he said this, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is a world of religions amongst us that will tell you what Jesus said in John 14, 6 is not so. But let me tell you what, it is true. There is nothing, there is no one, there is no entity, there is no religion, there is no man that can get you unto the Father save Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that is words of wisdom. Why? Because the fool will be led astray by Allah and by Buddha and by Joseph Smith and all these false gods and false religions. Hey, but I tell you what, he who comes by the way of the cross can get to the Father. And so he gives words of wisdom. Jesus was not trying to be ecumenical in John 14, 6. Amen. He wasn't trying to go along to get along. He was telling the truth 
that there's only one way unto the Father, and it's but by Him. So we see wonderful words in which Jesus would give. We see words of wisdom in which Jesus would give. And we also see words of warning that Jesus would give. We see the beginning of this chapter in our text. Verse number 1, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And so what is he doing? In his, in his mind, in his compassion, he is telling those that he loves, those that he cares about, hey, look, they're going to kill you. They're going to come for you. This is something that you're going to endure. This is something that is coming for you. Why would he do that? The first thing is because it was true. Because it was true. We are speaking about the ultimate truth teller, church. And the ultimate truth teller, Jesus Christ, made sure to give whatever words were necessary unto the audience in which he was speaking to. And so unto the Christian, I mean, there were times when he would give words of encouragement. There were times when he would give those words of hope. And then there were times in which he would give those words of warning as well. We see the words of Jesus. Next, we see the willingness of Jesus. These words, in the words of truth, nevertheless, remember verse number 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. We see that Jesus was willing to speak the truth no matter what. As I said, the truth is a precious commodity, church. There are far more people that are beguiled by lies today than have submitted unto the truth. Far more. The truth is elusive. Why? Again, because so many people, so many preachers are uh, not willing to give it, and so many people are not willing to hear it. And so you have preachers that will withhold the truth. You have congregants that will reject the truth. And so where's the truth? It's lost on so many people. But it's still true. And so it's a very important thing. And the Bible tells us, by the truth, Proverbs 23, 23, a book of wisdom, by the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So we see the willingness of Jesus Understanding the importance of truth. The importance of truth what? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. So the truth is a very important thing. Lies will keep man in bondage, but the truth will make you free. Knowing that the truth makes men free. Knowing the importance of it. Knowing that it's in such a short commodity... It is today just like it was back in his day. The Pharisees were not interested in seeing men come under repentance and men uh, understand the truth of the Word of God. The Pharisees back in that day were worried about enlarging their garments. They were worried about getting the best seat at the table. That's what they were worried about. Listen, men are the same way today. And so Jesus... Because he understood it was important. Because he understood that it was vital in making men free. He gave it regardless of reaction 
or response, regardless of reaction or response. Jesus' desire was to give people the truth. Now we see, look, in verse number 6. As Jesus had given them this dissertation, and he gets here to verse number 6 in our text, and it says this, he says, But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Jesus was saying something unto them that hurt them. He was saying something unto them that did not give them the warm and fuzzies. It did not make them feel all good inside. It brought them sorrow of heart. And so why did Jesus tell it to them? Why did Jesus? Because it was the truth. He goes on in verse number 7. He says, verse number 6, But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Why? Because the truth will make you free. Why? Because the truth is important. Buy the truth and sell it not. Regardless of reaction or response, he was willing to give the truth. Now, as for me, church, as for me, as a preacher of the Word of God, sometimes I will give the Word of God, and I will give the truth of the Word of God, and I look out upon the congregation, and you know what I see? I see men sleeping. I see them dozing off. But I still preach. I see, I see some people, and I have experienced this, some of them will just disregard it. I ah, preach don't know what he's talking about. And that often happens when I preach on sanctification. Amen. And so, and so men will just disregard it. And I know they're going to just, I know that 90% of the congregation is not going to listen to me uh, when I speak on certain topics. But guess what? You've got to preach it anyway. Why? It's because it's the truth. And because it's the only thing that will make men free. So I preach it. And then sometimes they just get downright mad at me. Sometimes they just fuss at me. Why? Because I gave them the truth. I didn't give them what they wanted to hear. I didn't give them what they wanted to, uh, wanted to uh, you know, be all encouraged by. You think those disciples wanted to hear what they wanted to hear? No, sorrow filled their heart. But what did Jesus say? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Church, let me just say this. You may love me, or you may hate me, but I made a promise unto God that nevertheless, I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to give you the truth, and ships are going to fall where they may. I can tell you this. Regardless of men's reaction, God has always honored His Word. And God has always blessed me for being true to His Word. Now, that's me. But church, that's just me. You have to understand that this affects you too. Regardless of reaction, regardless of if they're going to receive it or, or, or what, you need to preach the truth. You need to be faithful unto the truth. I mean, look at our society today. Our society is filled with men marrying men. We've got cartoons on children's networks where you have sodomites married. Look at our society. 
and they present that as good and acceptable, and it's a lie straight out of hell. There is nothing good or godly about a man marrying a man or a woman marrying a woman. Amen. Buy the truth and sell it not. That's true. It's not popular. People will reject it. People's reaction will be visceral because of it. But we just need to stick with the truth. Amen. Jesus did, regardless of reaction or response. Secondly, he was willing to give it, regardless of the reception or rejection. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if they would receive this and it be good for them or they would reject it outright. In John chapter 6, uh, we're not going to turn there. I'm going to read you a portion of that. But in John chapter 6, Jesus fed the multitude. And after Jesus had fed the multitude, he'd went away. The multitude went looking for him. Not because he was giving truth, but because he was giving food. And so the multitude followed after him. And when they found Jesus, it says this. Verse number 26 of John chapter 6, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. And so they sought a sign, and they spoke of the manna that uh, God had given through Moses unto the children of Israel back in the wilderness. And in verse number 30, uh, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Do you believe that? Say amen. That's true, Right? He is the bread of life. He is the life giver. Man, if you take Him, you have no need of anything else. So He's telling them the truth. What did they do with it? They rejected it. Read on down through there. Some of them would murmur, verse 41, verse 42. Uh, some of them would say, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? No, He wasn't. <laughs> Amen. He wasn't the son of Joseph. He's the son of the Father. Um, and so they would say that. Verse number 49 said, Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, and I will give for the life of the world. And they heard that, and they, they, they said, How can we do this? This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Sometimes the truth is not popular. Sometimes it's hard, but it doesn't make it a falsehood. Just because you don't like it doesn't make it mean it's not true. They didn't like it. So what did they do with the truth in which God was giving, which Jesus was giving? Well, we find out in verse number 66 of chapter 6, and uh, those numbers fit right in with exactly what happened right here. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You see, some will accept the truth. Some will. Some will reject the truth. Some will accept the truth only so far. And then they will turn and reject it. There are some Christians that are comfortable with part of the doctrine of Christ. They're not comfortable with part of the doctrine of Christ. It does not mean that it's not true. It just means that they're going to reject it. Church, listen, it doesn't matter if they accept it or reject it. We just need to preach the truth. That is what is commissioned unto us if you were to look... In the book of Matthew chapter 13, let's go ahead and work our Bibles. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13 real quick. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read a parable in which Jesus had given. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 3. When you're there, say amen. Amen. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse number 3, it says this, And he spake many things unto him, unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, and they had uh, not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And he says this, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, this truth is unto everybody. Just listen to it. Whoever will accept it, this is for you. And so, what is the principle in which Jesus is giving to them? He goes on to explain that, you know, the, the sower is casting the word. How does that apply to us? The very simple principle that we need to take away from it is we're not to judge the soil. We are simply to cast the seed wherever and whenever. We cast the seed. That's what we are. We are what's the seed? It's the truth. We need to just cast the seed. We're not responsible for what type of soil it falls upon. If you had a, uh, if you had a farmer, and he goes and he hoes them out a ditch, and then he'll be careful to go and take those seeds and plant them right in that ditch. And if there's stones or something, they may cast them aside. Listen, that's not what God has instructed us to do. God has not instructed us to look out a good, fertile uh, plant of soil and then uh, cultivate that little patch. God has commanded us just to go wherever and whenever and cast that seed broadly. Why? Because we can't judge that soil. We have no idea what the soil is like. And if we try, we'll fail and we'll mess up bad. We're just to cast the seed, regardless of the reception or the, the rejection of it. The truth is important, and we should just cast it, as Jesus had told us in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus was willing to give the truth, regardless of the reaction or response, regardless of reception or rejection, regardless of his relationships regardless of his relationships. Now hear me now. Jesus loved his disciples, so he gave them the truth. You know what? Jesus also loved his enemies, so he gave them the truth. Why? Because the truth will make you free. Buy the truth and sell it not. The truth is important. The truth matters. And I understand this. Listen. Psalms 119.72 says this, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. It's more precious than that. I think you probably understand how difficult for, for many of us is. It's difficult, is it not, to witness to family. Does anybody find that difficult? Someone that is close to you, someone that you love. It is difficult oftentimes to witness unto our family. But think about this for a minute. We're talking about eternity. I think it's worth the risk. It doesn't matter what the relationship is. We must be willing to 
give the truth. Whether there are friends, whether there are foes, whether there are family, doesn't, doesn't matter what the relationship is. Jesus gave the truth unto his disciples. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. He gave the truth unto the Pharisees. He gave the truth to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. He gave him the truth. You must be born again in John chapter 3. He gave the truth unto them. He just gave the truth. Why? Because the truth is important. The truth is vital. And the truth, church, is in short, short supply. We see... Regardless of relationships, Jesus gave the truth. We must be willing to give the truth regardless of relationships, just as Jesus did. And then uh, lastly here, speaking, well, i got one more. Speaking of the willingness of Jesus to speak the truth and to give it, He gave it regardless of uh, riches or lack thereof. Regardless of the riches or lack thereof. Now, wouldn't you imagine that Jesus, in all his wisdom, and the way in which he could speak, and the manner in which he could convey, don't you imagine that with that type of wisdom, he could have, he could have uh, surely been a very rich man. He could have wrote books like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, be your best you. I'm just kidding. I don't think he'd write a book like that. <laughs> but there's some quote-unquote preachers that'll, that'll write those books, man, and, and, and they'll rake in all that money. They use what talents God has given them for personal gain. Jesus could have been a very wealthy man but he had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, he's God in the flesh, right? That's who he is. He could have had anything that he wanted. But yet he was despised, afflicted, and rejected of men. Church, listen. All too often... We Christians, we allow the dollar bill to get between us and what God wants for us. We allow riches, safety, security to get in the way of what God wants for us. Let me ask you this. If it was going to cost you your job... Would you follow Jesus? If you had to choose whether if God was calling you to be a missionary, and you say, well, I, I, I'm safe here, I'm secure in this position, I, I can pay my bills here, would you quit it all and trust God and just follow after Him? It's a tough choice, isn't it, brother? Jesus... I mean, look at what he accomplished. No man has accomplished what Jesus has, right? But look at what the choices he made. He was willing to forsake earthly riches for eternal glory. 
many of us face those same dilemmas. I can tell you this, uh, regardless, I I have made this statement. I have uh, committed myself to preaching the truth. And uh, no matter what it costs, no matter what it costs, it may cost me my job. But I can tell you this, God's still able to take care of me. And so we'll just continue with the truth. Amen. Jesus, regardless of his riches or lack thereof, he stuck with the truth. And then uh, lastly here, on the willingness of, of Jesus, he gave the truth regardless of retribution, regardless of what was going to come back at him, regardless of what he was going to face because of the truth in which he spake, he, he gave it anyway. Mark fourteen sixty one. Jesus was being held there and being tried by the uh, chief priests. And it says this in Mark uh, 14, 61, 62, it says, But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And it had been very easy, it had been very easy for Jesus to lie, right? It would be easy for Jesus to, eh, you know, cover it a little bit. I mean, he was facing death. He was there having his beard plucked and being smote upon the face and being interrogated by these heathens. It had been very easy to just, just sell out and forget it. But what does Jesus do? And Jesus said, I am. Amen. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Church, listen, people will hate you for truth's sake. People will revile you for truth's sake. People will disown you. Family will disown you. Uh, They'll forsake you for truth's sake. Man, crucify Jesus for truth's sake. But thank God. Jesus stayed true. Because look what happened. Had Jesus at any time, had Jesus at at any time sinned, even the least little sin, he would have henceforth been an unworthy sacrifice, unable to take away my and your sins. The least little white lie would have ruined it all. Thank God he stayed true. Amen. Thank God he stayed true. And church, I'm telling you if, you, if you stand for the truth in a world full of lies, in a world full of hate, in a, a world that is uh, being managed by the prince and power of the air, you'll face retribution just as Jesus did. But man, we just need to preach the truth. Amen. Regardless, regardless of it all. And so we looked at the words of Jesus, those wonderful words, the words of wisdom, the words of warning. We examined the willingness of Jesus. Regardless uh, of his circumstance, he was willing to give the truth in every instance. And lastly, we'll look at the wealth of his disciples. He was speaking to his disciples here, again, just prior to the uh, cross, just prior to uh, his going away. What did that truth accomplish in their hearts? Well, number one, they were productive. They were productive. Think about this. Over the last 2,000 years, and you have 
multitudes of Christians, right? Multitudes of Christians over the last 2,000 years. There's, there's, if you speak to, if you speak to 80%, if you ask 80% of uh, Pleasance County, if they, if they know the Lord, if they're going to heaven when they're not, you know what they're going to say? Oh yeah, we do. We do. And uh, probably the majority of them aren't. But some of them are. But even those that are truly born again, how many of them are truly being productive in the cause of Christ? How many of them do you think have fruit bound to their account in heaven? How many of them share the gospel at all, much less on a regular basis? What good, what good is it to have the truth if you're going to hide the truth? What good is it? It's good for nothing. It's absolutely good for nothing. These right here, because Jesus emphasized the truth, because Jesus held true, He was the example for them, they were productive. They set the world on fire for the cause of Christ. And so we see that because Jesus stayed with the truth, because of the uh, the principle that is laid out there in verse number 7 of chapter 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, they were productive. Secondly, they were prepared. They were able to overcome. They were overcomers. Amen. Uh, see that, that movie here uh, recently, good movie. Uh, for the most part, that movie, Overcomers. Listen, they were true overcomers. They were the definitive overcomers. First John 5, 4 says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Those disciples right there, you remember in the garden. Listen, in the garden, who was with Jesus? There was 11 there with Jesus. Who was with the garden when Jesus exited the garden? No one. No one. They all forsook him and fled. They all ran away. But you know what they did? They overcame their fear. They overcame their fear. They became overcomers. They overcome their fear. Why? Because all of them gave their life. All of them suffered persecution. All of them for the cause of Christ. They overcame their doubts. They overcame their persecutions. They overcame the world. They overcame Satan. And you think, uh, and we, we see one of the uh, martyrdoms, if you were to look in Fox's Burke of Martyrs, you would see James, the, uh, the brother of John. He was, uh, he was called into question, and he stood accused, and he stood condemned. He was, and his accuser, his accuser, the one that accused him and had his sentence to death, saw his steadfastness, saw that he did overcome. You know what his accuser did? His accuser went to him and confessed Christ and was beheaded with James. Beheaded with him. Listen, it makes a difference. The truth makes a difference. It made a difference in James's life. It made a difference even in his accuser's life. Uh, it, they were prepared for what was to come for them. And then uh, lastly here, they were profitable. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see, and uh, I'm going to one day, just how many crowns uh, those, those apostles uh, were given by the Lord. Why? Why was it profitable? I think it all boils down to the truth of the Word of God. 
They were willing to accept it. They were willing to stand by it. They were willing to suffer for it. They were willing to die for it. And uh, henceforth, uh, their lives were profitable. Meant something. Let me just ask you this. Don't you want your life to mean something, ultimately? I mean, we all mean something right now, but how many of us are going to mean something 50 years after our death? Is the fruit in which, in the seeds in which we have planted, are they going to remain? Are they going to remain? Are they going to uh, continue to bring forth fruit? Are they going to see the example in you that you're staying with the truth, that you are uh, sold out to it, and you are willing to give it regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the retribution, regardless whether they're receiving Are they going to see that in you so that that is their example moving on? This past week I was uh, in the, down there trying to take care of my mom and my dad. And um, you know what? In the home, I have, I have had a great example in my father. I've had a great example of my father and the way my father cares for my mother and just the little things that he does and um, things of that nature. My dad's in the hospital. And you know what I tried to be? I tried to be just like my dad. I tried to make sure and cook just like he did. I tried to make sure and put things away just like he did. Because he was a good example unto me in that regard. And that's, what I, and that's what I aspired to be. Let me ask you this. Uh, and, and, and that was in a physical sense. And that's good, but much more important is the spiritual. When I die, I don't necessarily desire for my kids to mimic the actions in which I do, the way I walk or the way I talk or anything like that. But you know what I really want them to mimic? I want them to mimic and stand for the truth as I have. I want them to follow after me. I want them, I don't want them to be afraid to give the truth when something might happen. I don't want them, I, I don't want them to be secure in their own salvation and let others die and go to hell. That's what I want. But I can tell you what, unless they see an example in me, the odds of them actually doing that are slim to none. Let me ask you this. Uh, the example in which you are, and the way you are holding to that truth, and the way you are sharing that truth, it's going to stay with your kids, it's going to stay with your grandkids, it's going to make an impact with them. That should be our goal. That should be our goal, church. Why? Truth matters. It's in short supply. But man, it's the only thing that can make men free.